Hi, welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here. Now, Man in the Mirror is a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest about their work, about life, about some of those key items on their bathroom shelf, those things that they can't do without. And they give us some tips along the way of things that work for them. We also talk self-care, grooming, self-image, and what the guest thinks about the man that stares back at them in the mirror. Now, you know I like to bring you interesting guests on Man in the Mirror, and this week is no exception. Uh, My guest is the founder and chairman of Orbin and Wills. It's Peter Williams. Now, you might know the name from the brand Jack Wills. Um, It's a brand that Peter founded in 1999 down on the the southwest coast. Jack Wills, as I'm sure you know, was a massive brand over the, the last 20 years with that kind of varsity, young British aesthetic, did fabulously well. A few years after Jack Wills, he launched Orbin and Wills, which was kind of like the, the big brother, big sister brand, slightly older demographic. And, and that's where I first encountered the brand. Some, some beautiful pieces for men, you know, really great jackets. I had a really great tweed jacket. Lots of shirt and trouser pieces, really, really good. There was a store in Shoreditch on just off Redchurch Street, I think, that was one of the big Auburn and Wills stores, which was amazing. He sold the brand a few years ago. There's new ownership now, so he's not connected to Jack Wills anymore. And then he took a few years out of retail. But last year, he relaunched Auburn just as a a male brand. So now it's um, male clothes and... I went to visit the store just off Carnaby Street in London and you'll see on my social some of the some of the spring summer collections some really great pieces. It's just as good if not better than ever and actually I think you know he was slightly Peter was ahead of ahead of the curve when Auburn and Wills and, and Jack Wills first launched. Auburn and Wills particularly was much more about you know key pieces, slower fashion, buying things that that were built to last, and um, that's definitely still the the ethos of the brand. So Peter's back now with new retail partners and a, a, a web offering, and also the, the physical store, as I mentioned, in London. So I think you can find this a really interesting conversation. I certainly did. And um, here we go. It's Peter Williams, the founder and chairman of Auburn & Wills. I'm Hayden Williams. Let's go. Welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here, and um, I've taken another detour away from my home studio and I'm in uh, just off Carnaby Street in Newburgh Street in the Orbin store and I'm here with Pete Williams who is the founder and chairman of Orbin. Hi Pete, how are you? I'm very good, thank you Ed, how are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for doing this and agreeing to take part because I know you're very busy. As I said in the introduction, I've spoken to journalists and and brand founders before but I haven't spoken about fashion brands and, and retail so really interested to to get you on the podcast because there's so much crossover between well I mean you're talking to a consumer that's interested in the world of clothes but also that extends into music and you know skincare all these kind of products that they use and then it's a, a certain kind of consumer but I wonder if we can go back to the beginning how did you get involved in in retail and and and, and fashion Did, was that your sort of first job yeah, it was not not quite not one hundred percent my first job, but not far off it. You really? know? So, I mean, it's a very good question because all my mates fell about laughing. Were you very sort of fashionable at college and school? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, there's something to say that's still the case. I I'm an economist by qualification. Okay, and I've got an economics degree. I played rugby. I did economics. I joined a strategy consultancy after I left university, 
And I, um, when was that? It was 96, 1996. And then I, I got just sort of through good fortune of the allocation system at the strategy consulting firm. I got to work for some amazing brands like Nike Town, Nike with the Nike Town Europe. Great. Orange, the future's bright, the future's orange. Yes. Of your listeners. Yes. Of of an age will remember that. I certainly remember. Yeah. And I I realised that I became really fascinated by brands and not just uh, sort of premium brands, really. So um, that was your way in then that, through the kind of... Yeah, my my interest in the fashion industry came through an interest in brand mm. and storytelling and creating a narrative rather than... I've been to fashion school, I, I came at it from a sort of product first point of view. Yeah. We, we all attack these things from a different angle. Of course. I yeah. attacked it from a brand point of view. Yeah, yeah. What was it about... So the, it's, it's the late 90s when, when Jack Wills w- was founded... Yeah, we started, yeah, started trading 1999, yeah. And it became successful pretty quickly, didn't it? Yeah, yeah yes. We sort of joke, because 90... Probably getting up my dates wrong now. We started trading in 99, and then it was the sort of dot-com boom, mm-hmm. if you remember all that. Mm. Brent and Martha were becoming sort of yes. billionaires. Yeah, very low Last point. minute. Standing in Victoria Station, I bought a copy of the Evening Standard, as, as, as one did in those days. Well, yep. maybe I'm free. Yeah. And sort of Brent and Martha were all over the front page of the Evening Standard. And I was thinking, as I had in my hands, I've got a shop in Devon. What have I done? <laughs> uh, but in fact, it turned out right. So for people yeah. who don't know, I guess the, the, the sort of foundations of the brand were down on, on the, the southwest coast. What, why was it, was it there? Because it was a... Was that to do with this kind of look and feel of the brand, or was it? Were you living down there? Was, no, no, I was. I was at university in London. I was living right. in London. I worked in London, and I don't. Really, I didn't really have any connection with the South Coast at all. Right. Um, people would seem to assume that I grew up down there or lived down there. But yeah. had I been there once, oh, really, uh, on holiday, and I thought it stuck in my mind as this place where the sun was always shining and everyone was gorgeous and having a great time and sort of hanging off the back of a speedboat or something. Mm. It's not quite like that. So was it to do with, the, you know, that that would be the, the right setting for the for the store? Yeah, exactly. So you're back to this point about telling a brand yeah. narrative. Yeah. It, it articulates the positioning of the brand. Our first store in the US was in Nantucket and, and another one in Martha's Vineyard. Mm. You know. It yeah. already positions the brand in a particular space without you having seen a single piece of the product. And and so if we fast forward to, to now, I'm in the, uh, say, Newburgh Street, in the new look Orbin store. So you, you had some time away after you left Orbin and Wills and Jack Wills originally ten yeah, years ago. Yeah, 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 a while ago. Well, yeah, I stood down, uh, stood down as chief executive. Then I came back, uh, and then stood down again. Uh, then I, I live in the Cotswolds, so I've been very much enjoying not doing much. Yeah, uh, and to be honest, the, there was still a an itch that needed scratching or something like that. I don't know. And Orbin. We we closed Orbin Wills down because we wanted to focus on Jack Wills, which was strategically very disappointing. Co- caused me no end of grief at the time, but I think it probably was strategically at the time the right. Did you feel slightly closer to Orbin and Wills because it was I don't know I'm not put words in your mouth, but did you? You did gotta you? love all your children equally. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean Orbin was a really really beautifully constructed brand. We invested a lot of money enormous amount of creative talent a lot of the learnings that we'd sort of gathered from the first 10 plus years of jack wills you know we really concentrated that into building the Orbin brand first time round, and it and it's actually because of how well it was constructed that when we closed it down a we got a load of grief mm. but b 
10 years on when we restarted it, there's all these devotee, brand devotees yeah. that have come out of the woodwork that, you know, it's it's been wonderful. Of which, yeah, of, we, we spoke briefly before we started, of, of which I am one, actually, and I, you know, I remember a lot of the campaigns from, from that time. And, and I suppose, you know, just because of my age and where I was in life, it, it spoke to me a lot more than, you know, I wasn't a kind of surfy younger kind of you know i didn't the, the jack wills thing wasn't quite for me but the the auburn and wills some of the some of the tailoring and and you know featuring people like alex james it was fantastic and i, I loved going to that that shoreditch shop that you had so fast forward to now and it and it's back and it's it's just menswear pete at the moment isn't it yeah so first time around we were men's and women's yeah uh, and actually Men's was brilliant. The, mm. the men's fashion business and the women's fashion business is that they're, they're almost like completely different industries. Yeah, they work in a very, very different way. And and someone will probably point out a sort of an exception to the statement I'm about to make. But in my view, no brands do men's and women's equally well. Mm. They, they, you, they tend to make you tend to major in one sex over the other. Right. And Orbin was very, very good at menswear and it was more challenging in womenswear. It's not to say we didn't have a good female following, but it was mm. it was a real home run in menswear. It was a bit more challenging in women's. So second time round, we wanted to just focus on men's. Yeah. And is that because, do, do you think that perhaps menswear can be a little, a little bit slower in sort of turnover and that we, you know, that there's maybe we, we keep pieces for longer? I don't know. Yeah, so yeah I think, you know, the women's fashion silhouette changes constantly season mm. it's the nature of fashion it's yeah. in fashion one minute yeah. it's out of fashion the next minute that's how the whole industry works men's just doesn't really work like that it's a much much slower life cycle yeah you know we basically we're still wearing shirts trousers yeah. shorts t-shirts the, the range of product is pretty slim yeah. pretty pretty small i'm still wearing some of the same <laughs> those yeah. shirts and jeans that i've had for a very number and, of years and almost they become more loved the, the, yeah. old, the older they are yeah. whereas if you're talking about a you know an in fashion summer dress well i can't wear that next summer this summer because i, I wore mm. it last summer that so that's a much much it's quite a distinct difference between yes the men's fashion industry and the women's fashion industry uh so yeah so we I mean, the first time around, the thing with Orbin was we were making a real stand against fast fashion. And it was that period. That wasn't was it? when it was yeah. just taking off. And, you know, yeah. it was the whole Primark to Prada, Zara was exploded. You know, mm. it was a real moment in time where, and no, I mean, it's remarkable because it was only 10, 15 years ago, yeah. but nobody was really talking about the environment. No. Then. And it was just about how cheap it could be and how quick they could copy the. This is how, look, look at my top. Where, where's it? Where's where it's from? Primark. Yeah. Oh, it was only three quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, who do you think made that? Yeah, I know. And our eyes have been opened, I think. Yeah, and so, and also, like, you know, lots of product, fast fashion product is going into landfill, and, you know, it's everything about the supply chain. It's connected to global warming. I mean, there, there, is, there is nothing good about disposable fashion. No. And actually, so in many respects, Warbin was a decade before its time. Yes. Because now the message yes. that we're talking about, this whole sort of better is greater than more, we're basically saying buy less stuff, but buy, just buy some good stuff that you just really love. Yeah. And you'll you'll have it for years. No, that that really chimes with me. And and we're here in the store. It's a beautiful shop, um, just off Carnaby Street. Was having a, a bricks and mortar sort of physical presence. Was that always part of the plan, rather than just it's all going to live online? Yeah, it's very difficult to build brands totally online. Mm. 
uh, you know, I've always been a massive champion of the shop, physical shop. Mm. It's also, it's like Lego, you know, it's fun. Everyone loves Lego because it's just great building stuff. Yeah. Making things, you know, yeah. physically making things. Yeah. And shops are an embodiment of what the brand stands for. And so, personally, I kind of hate shopping, actually, just sort of like always every other bloke, it seems. Yeah. But I love the way, but I love shops and I love the way the brand, you can tell the sort of brand narrative, it all comes to life in a, in a shop. You know, the re reality is most transactions these days, increasing number, obviously, increasing number of transactions are happening online yeah. for, for convenience sake. And in many respects, online is a better way of shopping, easier yeah. way of shopping. But it's important to you. But to you still need to have a physical presence to 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 almost sort of put a flag in the ground yeah. for shops. So we are we are opening shops. We've got another one in the pipeline. Oh, great. Uh, and, I mean, never say never. I'm certain we will more open, open more in the UK, but, I mean, it'll be single digits. It won't be mm. So you just have to be a bit more judicious and careful about, about how you roll it out, I suppose. Yeah, and they just play a slightly different role. Rather than being a kind of core commercial engine of the business... Actually, you can be a little bit liberated from mm. that requirement and perhaps be a bit more focused on the embodiment of the brand. Yeah. More so than this really has to, you know, earn its crust. It's a bit more sort of showroom and... Yeah, you know, a bit about more the like look, that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Look, um, we will return to talk a bit more about Orbin um, later on in the podcast. But one of the things, is, as regular listeners know, I like to talk about bathroom essentials and this is this strange uh, this strange world but actually i think it's it's something that um again you know sort of seems to be coming around and there's a lot more interesting brands in this space now and and yeah people talking about you know sustainability and and the provenance of products and all those things but it just yeah i've just quite nosy and always interested in what other men's morning and evening routines are like and if you've got certain products that you kind of you, you tend to gravitate towards. So it'd be great if you yeah, just tell me about some of the products that you use. Have you got sort of hero products in your routine? Well, I mean, I brush my teeth every day. At Excellent. Least day. That's, that's been fairly religious yeah. uh, bathroom activity since, since a young age. I mean, in keeping with, I suppose, lots of other guys, I know I haven't particularly used products, but as I was saying just before we started, my wife and I have known each other since we met on the school bus. I was 12 and she was 11. So she has sort of plotted my physical decline over the last <laughs> and 48, so yes, whatever that is, 36 years. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so recently discovered the joys of various lotions and potions. And that often seems to start from sort of, you know, borrowing products from your wife. Was that how, how it happened or did she sort of Not get you some things? but we... Well, we, you know, we've both known each other a long time. We, we, mm. We've got teenagers knocking about the house. They just all look gorgeous and great because <laughs> they're young. And that's just a bit annoying that we're, 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 we're now old. And she bought me some sort of miracle Kiehl's product. Uh, and I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, Is that a kind of uh, one of the Kiehl's moisturisers? Yeah, moisturiser. Yeah. And, um, you know, the saggy eye stuff yeah <laughs> stops that and i and i've always thought oh this stuff doesn't really do anything and actually i think it does yeah really you've does. noticed a difference and then also my um i mean i'm a i'm a ginge but in fact i my mum is dark and i 
and I have a I have a ginger brother and I have a dark brother. So I'm sort of a bit of a blend. Mm. So I'm not one of those gingers that's white, then red, then white, then red, you know, <laughs> in between. Uh, I do actually sort of go quite orange. Yeah. But I like to spend almost all my time in the summer months outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise I'm a sort of outside person. So I'm very conscious about... SPF. SPF yeah. and that kind of stuff. And there was I had a chairman who was who's suddenly no longer with us. He was chairman of the body shop. I mean, CEO and then chairman of the Bullshit. And I remember years ago him saying to me, you should use SPF every single day if you like. <laughs> Absolutely right. And then also another friend of mine had cancer, uh, some skin cancer recently, and his, it was fine, it was done, it was dealt with. Yes. But his doctor said, you know, the, or, the largest organ in your body is skin, mm. as we all know, and if it dries out, it, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. And so you should moisturise your skin, you know, dry skin mm. is... So all of this stuff, I feel like, you know, late to the past. Yeah, but but better. Better late than never. Uh, better late than And so SPF-wise, is there, do you have a certain brand that you, you sort of gravitate towards or is it just... Well, I think the person that invented Factor 50 deserves the Nobel Prize, quite honestly, because yeah. my memory of holidays in Cornwall as a child is extreme burn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just little freckles on my arm. Yeah, it was just sort of how it was. We it? used to, yeah. You slap was, on the fact of four. <laughs> yeah, it was almost this kind of badge of honour, wasn't it, to, to sort of yeah. go for these really low, low factor sun creams, if if at all, and just and also be you know being fair skinned. Uh, you know, I like going to hot places on holiday, mm. and those things can can be not you know, sort of mutually exclusive in yeah. any ways. But you know, factor fifty, and then I'm not worrying about getting burnt. Yeah, and that's just a mate. I like sailing, and so, you know, it tends to be very sun intense yeah. environments yeah, yeah it's it's so liberating to not be worrying about getting burnt yeah so my go-to is 30 at home mm-hmm. uh and you know what? i i should have looked at I, i've got some fancy stuff that i did nick from did you? i like it because when you shake the bottle it has a little ball bearing or something inside it makes a noise oh, it's not la roche possibly yes that's yes the one. Little, little white bottle. fox yeah for the face and i think it's good very fancy and very expensive but quite sort of thin, isn't it? It doesn't feel too good. But I, yeah, so particularly while we've, while we've had some nice weather, um, I've been slapping that on every day. And also, the other thing about sun cream is it's like it's like a little treat in the middle of winter because you put it on and it just takes you to the beach. And the smell yeah. is yeah. so <laughs> so emotive. Yeah, it's that Pavlovian thing you kind of think yeah. about, sunshine, oh, yeah, I mean, beaches. Yeah. Oh, shit, no, I'm not. I'm in London. <laughs> And what about shaving and grooming? Are you, um, you're sort of stubbly, I would say. Yeah, that... so I, I use a beard trimmer once a week. Yeah. Um, but you, you tend to sort of keep it, keep a fair amount of stubble there. You don't go clean shaven. Do no, uh, my my family are extremely rude when I go <laughs> clean shaven. I look like a really, really ugly woman. <laughs> it's horrible. horrible. It's, horrible. it's really repulsive, actually. Not how rude they are, just <laughs> how I look. It's weird. It's because I've had a bit, a little bit of, you know, sort of stubble. Yeah. No. For for, for years and years and years, that when I go clean shaven, which is sort of like, I don't know. When would you do it? Why would you do it? Funeral, right? Uh, <laughs> and maybe met prime minister. I don't know. I can't remember. So it was very rare occasions, and and everyone is just sort of horrified <laughs> to get just hiding for about a week. But it, it regrows. But it really changed. I mean, obviously, but it really changes how you look doesn't it I've kept yeah. this for years and it yeah it just hides extra chins and th- yeah, I just don't think I'd yeah, want to a bit of that. 
I wouldn't want to get rid now. I don't yeah. think. Interesting. And uh, but it also so I, so therefore some sort of entrepreneurial barber one day said to me, I, you know, it's very drying having stubble. Yeah. It's hydroponic or something. I don't know. Whatever the word is. It drains you some moisture out yeah. of your skin. So you should, you know, feed your beard yes. with beard oil and all that. And then, oh, well, I saw, I've got some. And I've got some. I guess. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a lucky day. And that's, I actually have this, still have this little bottle of cedar smelling. Yes. So I sort of quite like, but it's a little bit greasy and Yes. So I now just slap on my keels all over my face, and that that'll do the that job. Serves double purpose. Yeah. And do you That's wear? Only look twenty-five. It's amazing. Yeah. And and do you wear fragrance? Um. Yeah. Yes. A bit. Normally, it, I don't. I'm not like a kind of lifer. Yeah. Not got one signature scent that you kind of signature scent. Tom Ford's probably the last one. Mm-hmm. But actually, very bizarrely, totally retro. I'd run out of Tom Ford stuff, and I found when I was rummaging through my wardrobe the other day some an old, unopened bottle of one of the Jack Wills fragrances. Ah, uh, my, my wife were... really loves like <laughs> teenage boys' fragrances. So <laughs> yeah. it's gone by. So I put it on for a laugh. So, Did it still yeah. smell good? Yeah, I mean it was unopened. There's nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with it at all. And uh, and, I, and she says she really liked it, so I'm going to work my way through that bottle. And what was, I mean, going back to that, what was the process when when you did Jack Will's fragrances? Did you... Yeah, we did, did you, quite a lot, actually. We sold, we sold a lot of fragrance. And how, were you sort of involved? Obviously, you had to prove it in the end, but yeah, yeah was very, it, yeah, did you sort very, of license it out, kind of? To, yes, we, well, we originally did it in-house completely and only sold it through our own channels. Yeah. But one of the, na- you know, even if reasonably sized business like Jack Will's, it's... It's it's quite you know you really need big distribution. That's yeah. why all the big brands are in all yeah. the duty free shops yeah. and Boots and and everything. Um, so we ended up doing big distribution through Boots, mm. and it's quite a good sort of ancillary business, isn't it? Mm. It's a great business. Yeah. The numbers are unbelievable. Do you think you'd ever, you know, in the new new look, Orbin, would that ever be something that, you know? Would you ever think about doing fragrance or skincare really, or anything? It's, it's not, not really not core to it. It's Definitely never say never. It's not on our radar right now. Mm. Which sounds like a sort of politician's answer. No, no. Genuinely not. Well, I'm sure... Trying to get the core business. Well, exactly. It's it's quite new, isn't it? Yeah, it's So it it started up again, six months? No. Something like that. Uh, We'll be... We're about a year and a half. 18 months. How long have you had this? Have you had the shop all that time? This was open the day we opened. Yeah, this was the first. Uh, We're in about 20 John Lewis stores. And, yeah, business is great. And he, there's super uh, exciting, yeah. And and next are involved as well. Is it in? Yeah. Is so it, next is a minority shareholder. Next PLC. And can whole, you buy it on Next's website? Can, no, no. You can buy it on Label, which is where they sell third-party brands, right? Sort of. But yeah. So the sort of theory of it was just all the learnings from Jack Wills, mm. right? So as a, as a founder of a brand or a product, you you start with an interest in the product or the brand mm. and or the brand. And you, and then you either succeed or you fail. So, so the assumption you succeed, you then keep doing that. And as you get, as you grow, you start to spend less and less time on that product and brand, and mm. more and more time on all the other shit that you have to yeah. do to get the stuff to yeah. market. You know, I spent an awful lot of time, and we invested millions of pounds in warehousing and mm. distribution and IT systems and all that. And at the end of the day, you just got to spend. All of your time obsessing about the customer and the product. Mm. 
And any minute you're not doing that as a as a brand owner is a minute wasted, really. Yeah. And it's when you take your eye off the ball. And so we said, well, when we were designing the whole strategy second time around, we said, well, if you create, what's the business strategy that's fit for purpose for today with no legacy issues, which everyone is dealing with all the time? Mm. We said, well, we really want to be a product and marketing business. So we just want to focus on making a, designing and making and marketing amazing product. Mm. And we don't want to have to think about the back-end infrastructure. Yeah. We want amazing people best-in-class people doing yeah. that and they, they really are on. <laughs> yeah. and they and they spend and I want, we want to spend them spend all day every day thinking about that and making yeah. that better so we set out to say well who's the best in the business at that and it's next mm. and Simon Walston so I spoke to Simon and um, explained what I was thinking of doing and we came to an arrangement and so in very simplistic terms yeah. you know next is a shareholder but they also run the back end right uh, but to the consumer we're, we're all being in gets delivered in a big so bag much. and yeah I mean it makes so much sense and I you know I can only imagine as as we all you know as the whole online shopping thing has as, as matured you know we, we ex as consumers we expect so much from it don't we and you know be able to return super easy and packages to arrive and all of that you know f there's there's a whole infrastructure around that that's massive uh, I remember with Jack Wills there was a moment when I was driving up the motorway and I overtook a next lorry mm. and it said on the site that just launched this um, order by 10 p.m. guaranteed free next day delivery. And I remember this <laughs> like my head in my hands thinking, what? how? Oh, because yeah, it just raises the bar. Yeah. In the eyes yeah, it's what consumer. people expect, isn't it? You know, people go, well, well they, you know, Amazon gets this stuff to me the next day yeah. for free. And uh, why can't you? And I'm like, well, I, yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Jeff Bezos. He's all right. He's in a rocket. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was the. I think that's that was the. That was the theory, and the, the practice is, is working brilliantly. Mm. Yeah. And do you, when you retooled Orbin for for now, did you have a certain sort of male consumer in your head? Who who do you think the customer is? It's quite broad, actually. We mm. were very specific about age in the in the Jack Wills era, mm. uh, which was right for the time. And it's not really about age; it was more about life stage. Yeah. So it was around that kind of university yeah. thing, which is fairly explicitly age-specific. I mean, yeah. you do get mature students and stuff. But but we were trying to capture the zeitgeist of that period in someone's mm. life where you sort of, you grow through school, you leave school, you go to university and you leave it. And there's just, there's a, there's a series of things that are going on in that world that are very, very clearly identifiable. And we as a brand tried to, to capture that and I think we did a fairly effective job of it. Yes. Orbit is a, a much broader age bracket but essentially, it's for guys who just have an have an interest in the product. Mm. You know, we're not we're not cheap, but we're not expensive. You know, we're not expensive. We're very very well priced for the quality of product that we sell. Yeah, and so the uh, the target customer is is someone who it's not just like a I don't just need a shirt. Like my dad used to just just wear a shirt. Right? Yeah, wherever <laughs> it came from, he just put it on because he couldn't walk around naked. Yeah, well, my dad would get my mum to go and buy him a shirt and that kind of exactly, thing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so we were, you know, our aspiration, somebody said to us the other day, how I, how they see Orbin uh, is as being really cool but not intimidating. And I thought that mm. was a really, I'm, I'm pleased that was how they described it because yeah. that, that's how I'd like it to be described, actually. I hadn't, they were, they were her words, they weren't mine. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was quite a... No, that's very fitting, isn't it? Quite a nice 
sound, but I said I was going to steal it, actually, which I just you, haven't. You should. <laughs> but you want there to be some kind of aspiration to it and for it to feel cool. I think yeah, there's got there's to be some... a backstory to all the products. So yeah. all, all distinct, we're talking about with women's wear, where, you know, you can play with the silhouettes season to season and that's what creates a, a difference. And mm. the thing with men's wear is the silhouettes, they do, they, you know, they do change, but they change very, very slowly mm. compared with women's. It tends to be over a decade rather than over a season. Yeah. So you're limited in, you know, say a white T-shirt. You know, the Auburn, Auburn white T-shirts are absolutely fantastic. Mm. And I love, I've got this, I love the Auburn. I was wearing it the other day and I just was saying to somebody else, I just absolutely love this T-shirt. And on face value, it's just a white T-shirt. Yeah. So the skill of the design team and the product team is they don't have those silhouette things tools to kind of play with like yeah. men's fashion have they've got to take a white t-shirt that's got two short sleeves a neck hole yeah. it's made of cotton it's white it's a real challenge to make a so guy absolutely love that yeah. know, that product they're, 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 and that's what they're so good at and so I think men's so you think fashion, it becomes about you know the quality, the quality of the material, material and, and the fit and the quality yeah. and the fabrication yeah exactly so you know the shorts the same i live in shorts most of the time in the in the summer and just i picked up some shorts from here from the new collection the other day i just i just came down the stairs just put them on i was like waxing lyric <laughs> at one on one level it's just a pair of shorts they don't look particularly different from anyone else's pair of shorts so how is it that they've being able to make me, as soon as I put them on, go, I just absolutely love these shorts. Fits great, colour's great, the fabrication is great, the wash level's just right, all the little details. Someone who has any vague interest in product, it's not fashion, but product, sees that it's a very considered product. Uh, That's the magic, though, isn't it? Just making a man feel... Yeah, just feel good, feel good in what they're wearing, and and give them a degree of confidence. And yeah, and it's why blokes they they have like a favourite jumper, or yeah. a favourite shirt. I mean, we all do, right? Yeah, yeah. Favourite pants. Yeah, and it's what is it about those? What things? is it? Yeah, about those things, you know. And so yeah. that is the that is the challenge that Orbin has. Is every product that we sell is our aspiration is it becomes every customer's favourite product that they mm. just want to hang on to. And when we relaunched Orbin. It was interesting because when the kind of word got out, the most common bit of like soundbite feedback we got was, I'm so excited to hear Orbin's coming back. I have this, take your pick, cardigan jumper yeah. shirt. I've, it's got holes in it. I'm threadbare now because yeah. I just won't throw away because I absolutely that. love it. That's great. And that, yeah, I don't think you should say that. And it was very consistent, that feedback. And I don't think you can say that about that many brands. Mm. And that's, very much what our th- our thing is, so you know we'll see. But you said fast going quite well. <laughs> I know what, what I love as well. I've just been getting some of the the mail outs and you know checking out the the website and some of the posts. But I like the fact that it feels like there's a there's a world around Orbin. There's certain kind of you know you're talking to different people, whether it's you know, musicians or artists or I don't know. It just feels like I'm I'm getting to learn about these different people and there's a sort of culture and a world around the clothes and yeah, making it feel a bit fuller and a bit richer than just well, I'm just buying a shirt, you know, I was kind of I'm connecting with people that you're, you do these sort of profiles of people that wear Orbin clothes, I think that's really, really nice just put a, a, a world around it in a bit of context. Yeah, that's what we call the Friends of Orbin yeah. program uh, and so this is sort of like an official title to something that just happened very organically yeah. 
and, and slightly the philosophy behind it is I just like interest, meeting interesting people who mm. are doing interesting things. So whether you've got, I don't know, you make coffee or you've got a bar or you're a poet or you're yeah. a musician or a, you know, whatever, environmentalist. If if you're doing something which is interesting um, across a range of topics of which are sort of tangentially in, of interest to us, then it's just really great to hear about that. Um, and also, we as your businesses get bigger, you know, you, you meet, it's, it's, it's a tough old world out there, you know, and and you meet people that don't necessarily operate to the same set of ethics that you operate to. Yeah. And are, we just want to, we only work with people we've known for years, like literally two decades. So if some of the people that were involved before in terms of the design team and some of the your team, have they come back on board? Is it like Rachel, sort of assembling the old yeah, the old Rachel, crew? the creative director, I recruited as a denim designer for Orbin 12 years ago. No, no, for 20 years. Amazing. And so all of the core team, we've all worked together for donkey's years. Yeah. Our supply base are people that I've been working with for 20 years. That so must make it easier. High level of trust. Yeah. Across the whole thing. Yeah. High level of, you know, just, I, fun, I just know they are really high quality manufacturers that make a really great product mm. in a really great environment. Yeah. And I only want to work with people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so all the, under the friends stuff, you know, the common denominator is people that basically share our set of values, which mm. is, you know, nice, decent people who operate on a decent basis, yeah. selling a, aspiring to make a well-designed quality product that we're all proud of. Mm. That's not yeah. going to knacker the environment. And, you know, I mean, all of those, that's all those things that we stand for. If The common thread that runs through those friends is that. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, subconsciously as a consumer of that stuff and having not met you, I think that's that's what it feels like. You know, you kind of want to be part of that club and that world and it seems like, a, you know, a good good bunch of people with, with sort of values that align with mine. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, you've come across a coffee shop that you live in East London, you come across a coffee, yeah. you love it, and then you hear about us because they've started talking about us and we yeah. started talking about them and that you just sort of create this ecosystem yeah people with a it's how it used to be people sort of helping each other out and looking out for each other so it's there's obviously spring summer collection in store now uh, are there a couple of key pieces that are doing really well that you could tell me about what, what's, uh, what's, yes, what's flying off the shelf white stripy t-shirt I can't remember the name of it uh, which I came to pick up the other day um, is it gone? it's all there I've seen lots of people or maybe it's just online but there's a like a multicolored shirt that's got lots of different patches of color. Yeah, that that's well, Yeah, shirts. Generally speaking, in the summer, shirts and shorts. Mm. So basically, shirts, t-shirts, shorts. Yeah, that's very much a staple guys' wardrobe. But that's probably what drives the the economics of the business in the summer, and what drives the economics of the business in the winter is overwhelmingly knitwear mm -hmm. uh, and um, and shirts as well. Well, I'll, I'll, and are very reliable. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing if not consistent. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, the other, the other sort of added challenge for menswear designers is, is blokes also really only wear navy blue. Oh, God. I feel very seen. Yeah, I yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah I actually so. busted out a grey shirt today, but yeah. Well, the grey also falls into the palette as does a bit of black. Good. But, is that true? I thought I was like navy was my thing. Is that everybody's thing? Everyone. Damn it. Just open your eyes. <laughs> Honestly, the super cool lot 
the super uncool lot and everyone in the middle. We're all in Navy. We all just wear Navy. Yeah. I'm happy with but, that. But, you know, we get attracted to a brand because of the whiz-bang, like, pair of yellow shorts in the window. But it's like, I'm never going to wear them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to buy blue ones. But yeah. I love, I love the, I love the style. I love the outfit. I love how that cool shoe. Like, like, everything in my wardrobe is a, yeah, a palette of denim, navy blue, light blue. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, you learn something new every day. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought I was real unique. Something I, I ask the guest every, every time on Man in the Mirror is just about self-appearance, actually. And when, when you look in the mirror, what what you see. So if, you know, if you're doing your morning cleaning of your teeth, you know, are you are you happy with the, the sort of visuals and, and what, what you see when you look in the mirror as a 48-year-old? 48, 49-year-old. Um, I think, yeah, I, th- I guess I am, if that doesn't sound... I don't mean that's a sound egotistical. No, it, no, it doesn't. And I'm, I'm conscious I'm asking, yeah, it's quite a weird question to ask, yeah. but how we... British middle-aged man, that yeah. question. I know. How am I supposed to feel anything other than awkward? I know, I know. No, I think, I think unless you have, and probably even if you do have some sort of extreme facial disfigurement or whatever, it's probably not what you look like, is it? It's on the outside, it's probably how comfortable you are with yourself. Yeah. I guess. Well, I think that's intrinsic. That's part of it, isn't it? You know, do you feel happy with yourself when you look in the mirror, like where you where you're at? And yeah, I think. Funnily enough, I spend a lot of time walking my dogs. Uh, What dogs have you got? I've got two Labradoodles, long nine daughter, ah, lovely and Daisy. And I mean, they chase the deer all over Oxfordshire. They're notorious. (laughs) (laughs) So. And I was thinking, I was walking through the countryside yesterday. It's absolutely beautiful day, yesterday. and I was thinking, yeah, it, it's a it's an active choice, isn't it, to be to what your be, frame of mind is? Yes. Oh, definitely. So stuff stuff hits us all all the time, and we all have good periods and bad periods. Yeah. You know, if someone dies, it's close yeah. to you. Then that's obviously an awful awful period of time. But it, it is also an active choice how you deal with all of them, how you're framing the stuff that comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can either let it, you know, you can either let it just sort of get you down, mm. or you can not let it get you down, and you can take an active choice to do that. Yeah, I think I'm making light of it. I'm no, no, belittling the people that struggle with no. mental health and whatever. But that I was just, I was thinking as I was walking through this sort of gorgeous green countryside and bathed in sunlight and. The full knowledge I have my factor 30 on. <laughs> you weren't going to burn. But also, I think linked to that, there's, you know, we don't often sort of stop and say, in this particular moment, I do feel pretty content with my lot and I'm quite happy. And obviously, there's always a ton of stuff going on, but that's just stopping going, this is, this is, this place is beautiful. Or that, that smells amazing. Or I love, you know, anything, anything of the, those little, those small moments. Call it mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So Maybe. without, I, I did attempt to read a book on mindfulness recently, and and I mean, I literally didn't go past the third page. Not, I think it's full of. I'm just not very good at reading stuff, but I do, I do think you know we all want to be you know slimmer and funnier and better looking and yeah. richer and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, doesn't matter who you are. That's the same place to everybody, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? So therefore, you can take an active decision to pursue all of those things. Yeah. I'm not really that sure it's a route to happiness, is it? No. So surely a route to happiness is focused on just 
being happy in the moment and yeah. having a nice time. I had um, in the last season I had Richard E. Grant on the podcast, and oh, wow. he'd. Um, I saw his one man show. Did you? Yeah. So this was his whole thing, wasn't it? So he, it was at the time that he was talking about his. I mean, obviously the, the tragic death of his wife, but yeah. talking about that the pocketful of happiness book and. Again, I think it was a it's a lovely idea that's chimed with so many people of of exactly that of just making sure that within each day you're finding you know moments where you just take it in and you know, find moments of joy when when things could actually you know he has very good reason to be feeling pretty shit about things because yeah. his wife's no longer around. Yeah, my father died last year. Oh, I'm sorry about that. My my mum is still alive. Yeah, they were very very close and ha- long time, very happily married. Yeah, and. She said to me recently, she said, well, I won't obviously miss Dad a lot, um, and I wish he was still here, but um, he wouldn't want me to be moping about. Mm. So, I, I, you know, I feel like she's making an active decision to not, not let that defeat her, as it were. Yeah. And I think, she, I think it's and that's a good inspiring. example. Yeah. It's quite inspiring, to be honest. Totally. And so linked to this, you know, this idea of happiness, what, what are the things that bring you happiness and joy? Love walking my dogs. The dogs. I like I like being outside. I yeah. Like playing with my tractors. In your shorts. In my shorts with my Factor 30 on. <laughs> I love it when the sun shines. Have you got a tractor? Have I got, yeah, a few vintage tractors. <laughs> I like playing with tractors and farm machinery. I basically, I'm 100% of my happiest when the sun is shining in the summer playing with my vintage tractors. That makes me sound like power loser. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love it. Happy as Larry. Pete, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure to meet you. And I will take some photos upstairs so people can see how the store's looking. It's, it's really beautiful. And, and um, wish you every success with the version two of, of Orbin. And um, yeah, I'll still put some program notes about some of the products you mentioned. But uh, thank you so much for making some time to see me here at the store. That's my pleasure. Really, really enjoyed talking. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Pete. Thanks to Pete for spending some time with me in the Newbury Street store just off Carnaby Street in central London. Now, if you get the chance to to go to London and, and see the shop, you really should. There's some really great pieces for spring, summer, some of which I've coveted and got my eye on, so I shall definitely be back to, to make some purchases. Um, you can see some of that range on the website, which is www.org orbinandwills.com so it's all spelled out A-U-B-I-N A-N-D-W-I-L-L-S so orbinandwills.com and on Instagram it's at orbinandwills so just spelled out A-U-B-I-N A-N-D-W-I-L-L-S if you want to find out more about Man in the Mirror you can my Instagram is at maninthemirrorpod where I'll post information about future guests past guests you can find all the information there so if you could give me a follow it would be much appreciated thanks to pete really great to to hear from him and to find out more about orbin orbin and wills and um thanks to you for listening i'll see you next time on man in the mirror take care 